Turn with me in the Word of God tonight to the 30th chapter of the first book of Samuel. First Samuel chapter 30. We'll read together the first 20 verses, and my text tonight is the last part of verse 6. The Word of God at 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. And they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread, and he did eat. And they made him drink water, and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs, and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread, nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me, because three days agone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, 
and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. There ends our reading of the word of God. Tonight may the Lord add his blessing to our reading of the Holy Scripture. I call your attention to the last part of verse 6. We'll read verse 6 in its entirety. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. No child of God is a stranger to discouragement. No one sitting in the congregation tonight is unfamiliar with the hard circumstances of earthly life that lead to discouragement, that tempt the Christian to become discouraged. Every one of us has known those kinds of circumstances in the past, circumstances that pushed us to the very edge. Some of you are experiencing those kinds of circumstances undoubtedly right now. For others, there will certainly be these kinds of circumstances in your future. Heavy burdens, great disappointments, sorrows, a difficult way in life, heartache, Severe trials. David, the man after God's own heart, experienced such circumstances. Experienced them in the chapter that we read together tonight. The circumstances described in our text were such circumstances that pushed 
David to the very brink of despair. Everything that could possibly go wrong in David's life had gone wrong. Everything. Although tempted to become swallowed up in discouragement, the text tells us that David was not. The text informs us of David's response, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. That's beautiful. There's comfort in this passage. Comfort in this passage for every child of God. Comfort especially for those at this very moment who may be struggling under heavy burdens. Like David, you may feel yourself utterly discouraged. But we must find our encouragement in the Lord. Our God, just as David did. Consider that with me tonight. Encouragement in the Lord. Let's notice three things together. First of all, why this was necessary. In the second place, in what it consists. And finally, to what it leads. We're not surprised that at this time in his life, David was tempted to despair. For it seems that everything and everyone had turned against David. To begin with, David was on the run. He was a fugitive, a fugitive with a price on his head. Saul was after him. Saul hated him. Saul was determined to kill David, even though David had done absolutely nothing to make himself Saul's enemy. Saul despised David and was determined to kill David. So David was forced to flee. He was forced to hide out in the mountains and in the wilderness, south and west of Judea. In his flight, David was separated from his family, separated from his beloved parents, separated from his siblings, separated from his friends, separated from the people of God. And what made his suffering Even worse was that he was separated from the house of God and the public worship of God in the tabernacle. These were hard, painful circumstances for David. In his flight, David had taken refuge with the Philistines. He had been befriended by one of the lords of the Philistines, Achish. 
Not only had Achish befriended David and treated him kindly, but he gave to David and his men the city of Ziklag in which to dwell. At this time, David and his 600 mighty men had joined the men of Achish in order with the armies of the Philistines to go into battle. But the other lords of the Philistines did not trust David. And so forced Achish to send David back, back to Ziklag. Once again, David was rejected. And the result of it was that he and his 600 men were forced to turn around and go back. I may add that this, in the providence of God, prevented David from going to war against his own countrymen, the children of Israel. It's a question whether David knew that the lords of the Philistines intended to fight against the children of Israel. I like to think that he did not know it. And part of the evidence for that comes later in our chapter, the portion that we did not read, in which David sent to the lords of the children of Israel a portion of the spoils that they had recovered from the Amalekites, that in good faith. And so it's likely that David had no certain knowledge of who it was that the Philistines were going to go to battle against. In any case, God in his providence kept David from fighting against his own brethren. But on returning to Ziklag, David and his men found that the city was utterly destroyed. The Amalekites had invaded from the south and had smitten Ziklag. And not only had they smitten it, but they had burned the city to the ground. All that was left of the city and of their homes were ashes. And then besides, they had taken the women and the children captive and carried them away. Verse 3, So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Verse 4 records the response of David and his men to this latest calamity. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever wept until you had no more power to weep? They were utterly grief-stricken. 
They had every reason to fear the worst. In all likelihood, they would never see their wives and their children again. Never. Either they would be killed or sold into captivity. Those whom they loved dearly, they were now separated from. And then, the last straw, David's own men turned on him. The first part of verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. They blamed David. They turned on David. They spake even of putting David to death. Now David had lost everything, absolutely everything. Although the circumstances in your life may be different from the circumstances in David's life, undoubtedly you have experienced similarly distressing circumstances. It's the distress of the saint who is laid low on account of some grievous affliction or other. Maybe it's cancer. Your loved one is in surgery for many hours and the surgeon comes to the waiting room and he says, It's cancer, or it's a tumor, a brain tumor, and there's nothing that we can do. Or it's some debilitating disease, or it's a heart attack, or a stroke that leaves you or your loved one permanently disabled or it's the effects of a serious automobile accident permanent damage or disfigurement with which you must live the rest of your life David's distress is the distress of the widow or the widower who has lost their mate. They're left alone, utterly alone. And even though their loved ones, even though the members of the congregation, even though the pastor, the elders, the deacons visit, still, At night, you are alone, all alone. 
It's the distress of those who have lost a parent, a sibling. The distress of parents who have lost a child. David's distress is the distress of those who have not experienced the physical death of a child, but who have lost a child to the world. Greater grief yet. They've left the church despite their upbringing, despite their education in the Christian schools, despite the preaching of the word and catechism instruction, despite loving parents who, although not perfect, brought them up in the fear of the Lord. They turned their back on the church. They turned their back on Christ and the cause of Christ in order to lose themselves in the world. David's distress is the distress of those who feel rejected, abandoned. It's the distress of losing a close friend who's turned against you, someone whom you've counted dear, to whom you could turn for counsel, and now they've turned against you and want nothing to do with you. Maybe that's happened to you as a result of the schism in our own denomination. Or maybe it's the distress of parents who have turned against you because you've confessed Jesus Christ and are a member of a true church of Jesus Christ. Parents maybe who are adherents of one of the false religions, the distress that young people have experienced in Singapore, in India, in Myanmar, and in other parts of the world. Or it's the distress of the abandonment of a spouse, a husband who's left you for another woman, or a wife who has abandoned you for another lover. David's distress is the distress of those who have been victimized and traumatized by physical or by sexual abuse. Maybe that pain is aggravated by the fact that the abuse was at the hands of one in authority, one to whom you turned for help, a Christian school teacher, 
an elder, a pastor. Maybe it's the experience of the desertion that a congregation has undergone of an office bearer who has abandoned his flock, turned his back on the sheep, entrusted to his care by God himself. Or it's the pain of those who are not married but whose fervent desire is that they may be married, who pray earnestly to God for a believing spouse, but to whom God does not bring a believing spouse into their life. Or it's the pain of a Christian couple whose earnest desire is to bring forth covenant children in order to train up those children for the Lord, but to whom God does not give children. David's distress is the distress of those who labor in God's kingdom giving themselves to their calling on behalf of Christ and the people of God and who experience not appreciation but criticism and rejection. The distress of the individual child of God who gives witness to the truth of God and the commandments of God but is rejected and rebuffed and even persecuted for the witness that he gives. Or it's the distress of the faithful and spiritual members of the congregation who give testimony to those who are unspiritual and who are not living as they ought in obedience to the will of God. It's the distress of faithful office bearers who discharge the duties of their office in the congregation and spend themselves on behalf of God's people and God's cause and God's church, but who are not appreciated, who instead come under fire and are criticized, even viciously attacked. It's the distress of the faithful Christian school teacher who puts heart and soul into their calling in God's covenant and are appreciated by the children or the young people on behalf of whom they labor or words, their parents. It's the distress of the faithful covenant mother who expends herself on behalf of her calling in her home 
and in her family, but who is taken for granted by her husband, never hears a word of encouragement from him and by the children, or a covenant father who labors to provide for his family, who works long hours at a job that he doesn't especially enjoy so that he may put food on his table, pay his Christian school tuition, support the cause of God's kingdom. Or it's the faithful young person who lives in obedience to God's commandments and who is rejected by other of the young people in the congregation or in the Christian school. Then it's very easy for us to become discouraged, to despair, to give up, to throw our hands into the air and to say, what is the use and to think to ourselves I'm finished I'm done I can't go on and I don't want to either that was not David's response and that by the power of the grace of God in our lives is not our response either to whatever suffering, whatever trial, God has brought into your life or mine. The text tells us what David's response was. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. That was his response. That David encouraged himself in the Lord his God means that without any question, without any reservation, David believed that his present distressing circumstances came to him from the hand of God About that, he had absolutely no doubt in his mind. Of course, he believed that. Never did he question that. That was the conviction of his heart and mind. There were hard circumstances, to be sure. There were circumstances that caused him deep pain. Untold grief, sorrow and suffering, circumstances of loss and circumstances of rejection, but they were not circumstances that came to him apart from the will of God. David saw that these circumstances hard though they were, came to him 
from the hand of God. Of course. That's implied in the text. That's taken for granted in the text. Otherwise, how in the world would David have turned for encouragement and found encouragement in the Lord God? If his circumstances were apart from God, if God had no control over those circumstances, if those circumstances were not subject to God and to the rule and will of God, how could David have found encouragement in those circumstances in the Lord God? Then in spite of God's love and in spite of God's care, these circumstances had befallen David. That could never be. David knew better than that. In these trying circumstances, the very fact that David turned to God for the help and strength that he needed presupposes the conviction of David's heart that these circumstances were under God's sovereign control. Sovereign is God. Not just over the circumstances of life generally. Sovereign is God. Not only over those circumstances that we receive as good, that are easy for the flesh to endure. Pleasant circumstances. Not only those circumstances, but these circumstances. Hardship. Disappointment. Rejection. Even death. That's the living knowledge. On the part. Of the child of God. That must be. Your conviction. And my conviction. No matter what the circumstances. Of our lives. Whatever distressing circumstance it, circumstance it is that you have endured, are enduring, will yet endure, those circumstances come from the hand of God. David encouraged himself in the Lord, we read. That not only tells us the one in whom David found his encouragement, but that gives us the reason on account of which David found encouragement. It tells us the how and the why of his encouragement. For the Lord in the text is Jehovah. 
Lord in the text is all capital letters. And you know that when that's the case in the King James Old Testament, the word being translated there is Jehovah. Read the text that way. But David encouraged himself in Jehovah, his God. Jehovah. That's the covenant name of God. That's the name of God that reveals God to us as the covenant-making and the covenant-keeping God, the God who is the great I am. Not I was, not merely I will be, but I am. Jehovah is the unfailing friend, the I am, eternally the friend of his people. That was David's comfort. That was his encouragement. That lifted him up above the hard circumstances that he was experiencing. God's covenant and God's covenant faithfulness. Every other friend that David had He lost and turned against him. But there was one friend who would never leave him or ever forsake him, no matter how difficult his circumstances might become. And that friend who never betrays us is Jehovah, the God of the covenant. But God is the covenant God in Jesus Christ. David knew Jesus Christ. Even though Christ wasn't born yet, David knew Jesus Christ. He knew the one of whom he himself was one of the great Old Testament types. David knew himself to be the friend of God in Jesus Christ for Christ's sake. Because David knew himself to be a sinner. David knew that he deserved the worst at the hand of God. Not just these sorrows and these earthly disappointments, but he knew that what he deserved was hell and damnation because he was a guilty sinner. He knew himself. To be a sinner. But he knew Jesus Christ. The one whose blood covered his sin. He knew God's mercy in Jesus Christ. 
and that for Christ's sake, God would never leave him or ever forsake him. What? God gives up his own only begotten son to the death of the cross for you? but now allows you to be overcome with suffering and sorrow and distressing earthly circumstances that can never, ever be. For Christ's sake, because of Jesus Christ, we may be sure that God is and will ever be our faithful God and Father. People of God, take your eyes off your earthly circumstances and fix the eyes of faith on Jesus Christ. On the cross of Jesus Christ. Where he was rejected that we might be received. Where he endured God's wrath and curse. We might be the objects of his blessing and favor. Because David knew God as his covenant God, for Jesus' sake, he knew that God was his God. That's the text. But David encouraged himself in the Lord God. That's not the text. This is the text. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. His. His. God. Because God was his God. The God who was for him and never, ever against him. Because David knew God to be his God, he believed that his present distressing circumstances, no matter how painful those circumstances were, would turn out for his good. The Lord, His God. That must be the conviction of the afflicted child of God. That must be your conviction and my conviction in the difficult circumstances through which God may lead us. 
the conviction that God is our God. An amazing response. Utterly amazing. Unthinkable. What explains it? Nothing in David. And nothing in you. And nothing in me. What explains it is grace, free and sovereign grace, the grace of God. He does not only, you see, sovereignly arrange the circumstances of our lives but he works in his children he works in you and he works in me so that this is our response to affliction and the outcome So what does it lead? The outcome was that God gave David the strength to carry on. That's exactly the devil's purpose, you see, in the hard circumstances of earthly life. His purpose is that we will be overcome. His purpose is to incapacitate us. His purpose is to put us on the shelf so that we're not living the joyful, thankful life of gratitude to God and we're not carrying out the calling that he gives us. That's the devil's purpose. But now the grace of God that enables us as it enabled David to bear up under hard circumstances is a grace that fortifies us to carry on. That was true of David. He carried on by the power of the grace of God. And he recovered all. And that's the outcome for you and for me too. The outcome is the grace of God. So that we bear up as individuals and we aren't crushed beneath the hard circumstances of life. The grace that causes us to carry on as a congregation. When as a congregation we experience distressing circumstances, the grace as a denomination to carry on faithfully to witness to the truth of God's sovereign grace. That outcome is worked 
under the word of God and through prayer. That's significant that what follows our text is David's calling upon God through God's appointed office bearer, the priest, the priest Abiathar, who intercedes on behalf of David. It's through his word and through prayer that God enables us to carry on. And then, God is glorified. Glorified in a special way in our afflictions. And then, we ourselves are strengthened to carry on. Amen. Father in heaven, to thee do we turn for the strength and grace needed in the distressing circumstances of our lives. Not to be overwhelmed, not to be brought to despair, but by the power of thy sovereign grace to bear up and to carry on. Bless thy word as we've heard it tonight. And dismiss us with thy blessing. Forgive our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen.